Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. I'm Tim Wildman with Fred Jackson, and we thank you for listening. Um, thanks to Sandy Rios for being with us on the last half hour, and Chris Woodward. Uh, joining us in the studio now is Steve. How you doing, Brother Steve Jordan? I am well. Thank you for asking. Good day. Uh, <laughs> turquoise? Yeah, is that what turquoise. you call that shirt? Uh, yep, I think that's turquoise. I, I had to ask my wife if it was appropriate to wear light-colored pants after Labor Day. You know, I do want to. I do want to be uh, fashion conscious, and I'm not that good at myself. But you know what, COVID did too. It changed the uh, way people dress. Oh yeah, they're so used to staying at home. I haven't worn a belt in a year and a half. <laughs> huh? <laughs> so these, uh, so the shirts, shirts can hang out now. Nobody thinks too much about it. Whereas now, Fred, you still old school. You still got the belt. Shirt tucked in with the belt going on here. That's the way it is. <laughs> do you ever wear a shirt untucked? Yes. You do? But, but not I, here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm t- other than Saturdays. No, I uh, when I'm traveling, to be yeah. comfortable. When you're stuck in those little two-foot seats, <laughs> you want to be as comfortable as possible. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, I'm not complaining about the uh, – because uh, – uh, the more casual, the better, as far as I'm concerned. When I was working at Focus on the Family, we had a rule. God doesn't look at your appearance. He looks at the heart, Steve. Go true. ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay. I was working at Focus on the Family. We had a rule that you had to wear a tie to work. A tie and a, a sport jacket was optional, but you had to at least have, like I'm dressed, a tie, a shirt and a tie. And um, <laughs> they decided they needed to probably change that when – our spokespeople had to dress down to go on national TV because the thing for national TV was open collar, maybe a sports jacket. If we had to take the tie off and dress down just so we could go on national TV, maybe we're overdoing it just right. a bit. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I should, uh, you know, take back my comment about the more casual, the better. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want our staff here wearing pajamas, okay, to, to work. I think that's taking it a little bit too far. But uh, and by the way, these. Have you discovered these? Oh, you got the Skechers going on too? Fred? Oh, yeah. They're wonderful. I guess we're giving free advertising for a company, go. and that's okay. <laughs> anyway, I didn't, I didn't even, I mean, heard of them, but last Christmas my my kids uh, gave me these Skechers for Christmas. Their shoes we're talking about. Yeah, their shoes. I'm sorry. Yeah, their shoes. And they're sort of a hybrid between a penny loafer and a tennis shoe, I guess you could say. All I know is they're comfortable. They're easy to put on, get off. You don't have to laces. I haven't stuff. Yeah, I haven't taken mine off since December, <laughs> except to sleep. <laughs> oh, these things, man, are awesome. They are. Uh, it's wonderful. And they look, you know, they look dressy enough to wear. Yeah. You know, talk about casual dress in California the last few days. Went to church Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You go to church Sunday morning in California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is when you talk about casual dress for church. Right. They wear shorts. Oh yeah, shorts, flip flops, mm-hmm. shorts and flip flops. But you know, Even God I, isn't impressed with how you dress. I heard that somewhere recently. Well, <laughs> I didn't mean that as an absolute <laughs> statement. <laughs> and, you know, I guess what I'm just saying is I'm glad 
I don't live in the era of you have to wear a tie. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. But I, I, I flip flops and shorts. Uh, no, I'm going to have to have them to uh, go back to the church parking lot. If you look at pictures from the 60s, 50s, and 60s, you look at a picture of a major league ball game, all the men are wearing hats, shirts, and ties. Oh, yeah. At a baseball game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, coaches of all college, I don't know, high school, professional sports for decades and decades wore uh, at least sports coats. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And ties. Yeah. Um, when I was growing up, Tom Landry, for example, church, or suit and ties. Church wear, when I was growing up in the 60s, the men, black or gray suits, mm-hmm. white shirt, no colored shirts. When people start wearing color shirts, you know, like blue and... You send them over yeah. to the Pentecostal church at that point. Oh, uh, <laughs> they're gone left. They're gone left. <laughs> but they left him. He's a communist. Yeah. He's was, wearing a blue shirt. It was amazing. Just uh, the dress code. Uh, yeah, it was pretty strict back then. It you know, was, there's a reason we you, we still use the expression Sunday best. Yeah. Because you, yeah. dressed, you dressed up for... Yeah. Um, now I think I think we've lost I agree. something in that, uh, but I don't think it has to be a black suit, white shirt, right. narrow tie. Right. You know, I. I but shorts and flip flops for Sunday morning in, inside church. Yeah, I'm gonna judge somebody on that one. You when know you, what I'm saying? But it. I'm sorry. It's the norm at a lot of churches in certain areas of the country. Yeah, it is. I I just changed churches recently. Um, and um, the because church. Well, it was, re- a, well, it was about time. It was about time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I, I got married recently, and the, my wife and I uh, decided to find a. We, we were living in a town. Common that, ground. Common ground. It's a town that's kind of halfway between where she right. lived and where I lived. It's right. half an hour from here. I used to be like five minutes from here. Right. Uh, so anyway, the church I went to was jeans, and it was it was fairly, you know, casual. not shorts. It was fairly casual. I'm going to a, a, a Southern Baptist church now in Amory, and uh, they don't all wear ties, but everybody has slacks on and button-down shirts. A lot of guys have blazers. Um, it's a lot more well-dressed. So are, it, you, are you doing as the Romans? Steve? I am. I am. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I, I dress up more here than most people do, so doesn't you hurt. Do. I've got it. Uh, my dad wore ties yeah. his whole yes. life. Yes. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did that wasn't transmitted down to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I broke with my dad on that one. We never did have a talk about that. All right, Steve, what do you got? Hey, have you noticed lately that uh, uh, several times we've seen in the last couple months where President Biden has started uh, engaging with reporters and the White House cut has cut him off? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This happened yesterday. It happened yesterday when he was at Boise, Idaho, and he was doing uh, talking about the wildfires. And I'm going to play you the um, <clears throat> I'm going to play you the the clip. What you're going to hear is him starting to engage, uh, ask a question of somebody, and then it, you're going to hear a little silence. And then this was asked. This is a question asked of Anthony Blinken for some reason by Senator James Risch of Idaho, who apparently got done talking about Afghanistan and wanted to ask him this. So he was he is asking the question. Who is it in the White House that has the authority to cut the president off? I want you to hear uh, what uh, Anthony Blinken said because you're, it, it, it almost defies belief. Um, go ahead and play. Can I ask you a question? Of course. One of the things that uh, I've been working on with some others is 
And the White House cuts him off. It's been widely reported that somebody has the ability to push the button and, and cut off his sound and stop him from speaking. Who is that person? There is, there is no such person again. Uh, the president uh, speaks for himself. So are you unaware that this is actually happening? It was widely reported. The media's reported on it. And it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened several times. Are you telling this, are you telling this committee that this does not happen, that there's no one in the White House who pushes the button and, and cuts him off in mid-sentence? That's correct. You didn't know what to do with it. Hold on. So this didn't happen yesterday, nor on the other occasions where the media showed the American people that his sentence was cut off in mid-sentence. Yeah. Are you saying that didn't happen? Senator, I'm, I really don't know what you're, uh, what you're referring to. <laughs> mm. That sounds like Jen Psaki at the White House. Doesn't it? <laughs> She's pretending not to know what you're talking about and, 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 and sort of chuckles in a dismissive way. That's a common theme for this White House when you look at uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president. That's how she handles you get a, you, well, you get a cackle from her, and then and then that. When, when you when you when you when you can't answer a question, or you don't want to answer a question, you just mock it, scoff it, or dismiss it. Or uh, that's a Secretary of State that is saying what we all see happen doesn't happen. Exactly. So I don't know who believes who who's the one who's the science denier here, because science is cutting off electricity from the president's. Microphone. You know, if it happened once, right? No, you could, yeah, you could say it was a technical glitch. Sure, but now it's happening on a regular basis. No, but yeah, because listen, we all know what's going on here. The White House, they they live in fear mm-hmm. of what their boss is going to say when he's unscripted or doesn't have a a teleprompter in front of him. What the uh, now? Some would say, well, so did President Trump's staff. Well, <laughs> President Trump's staff knew that. He was in charge, basically, of the communication for the White House, and and for for better or for worse, Trump was who he was, and he had, he took all comers. Yep. Okay. He would take questions from the media on the rope line as he walked out to uh, to Marine One at the White House for fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. and it was just a give and take flow. Mm-hmm. And so, with with this uh, president. You don't get uh, – what you heard there at the first of that was a press conference yesterday. Uh, not ne- Well, it was a press conference, but uh, I think – Press was there, but it was a briefing on the fires. It was a fires. briefing yeah. on the wildfires in the West. And, and Biden, Biden is there, and Biden says uh, – he says, I have a question for you. Talking to one of the experts of the fire thing yes. in California. And everybody everybody's interested in what is the president what what's he what's he have a question to the uh, forestry uh person, mm-hmm. uh whatever the gentleman's name is, his title. Uh what is the question that the president has for him about the wildfires? And that's when the White House decides we can't risk what he's about to ask. You know what's really interesting if you listen to that? It's not like he starts going off the rails and no, they cut he him doesn't. off. It's that they're afraid he's going to go off the rails because it happens so often. Yeah. Just listen to that again. Not not the whole exchange. I don't want to hear the Secretary of State again. But listen to what happens when, the, when, the, when you hear dead air, folks. That's when somebody at the White House says, says cut off his mic. And we're talking about the President of the United States, the leader of the free world. Listen to this. Can I ask you a question? Of course. One of the things that uh, I've been working on with some others 
is right there. And that's what uh, the congressman wanted to know. Yeah. Who is who's pulling the strings at the White House? Who decides to pull? You pull the plug on the president of the United States who wants to ask a question mm-hmm. about a public policy issue relating to why well, he wasn't talking about what do you think about Madonna's dress at the awards or whatever like that. He's talking about the fires in the West and the president has a question and his own White House doesn't trust him enough to even let him speak publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's why I, I kind of doubt he, I'm, I'm thinking he makes it another year in the white house and then probably has to step down. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, that's, that's my speculation. Um, and it's amazing how many times now he, he makes these announcements at the white house and then walks away. Doesn't take any questions. The other day he said, it's time for me to walk away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll get in trouble if I do. <laughs> or, or they tell me I shouldn't answer any questions. <laughs> they tell me. <laughs> They, who's they? <laughs> that's who, that's who they were at. Senator Rich was asking, asking about, Hey, listen, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, liberal or conservative, it, 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 it is bothersome to think that the, a, a person that is on the job 24 seven and has to be able to process information in an instant and, and do so with uh, sound judgment is in, is on cognitive decline mode they, and and can't even be trusted to ask a question in public that's that that is uh, all laughing aside that is scary well it's scary in the fact that you have a man who could start nuclear war he, you talking he, about the nuclear football with the codes and I'm all talking, that yes he he's yeah. uh, he's ultimately in charge and now what we're learning is well not really somebody else is the puppet master yeah, that's, that's scary. Stuff. I think the chances of that happening are zero. But you're saying the you're saying a person in that kind of cognitive situation should not have access to yeah. that kind of information. Part of the job description of the president is that authority. Yeah, and you're telling me that he is he is digesting the daily national security threats and reading that and so forth. Uh, they give him that with a box of crayons. When they when they do his briefing here, yeah. President, Mr. President, that's I, why I'm thinking I'm thinking maybe another year. I agree. After the midterms, he'll step down and mm-hmm. give it to Harris. What do you think? Or before? What I do you think maybe before. Go ahead. I have another observation from that interchange. We don't have to play it again, but you know how um, Secretary Blinken was denying the obvious, like no, you're not seeing it here. He was also asked yesterday and today, did the State Department do anything to stop? planes or americans from leaving because it has been it has been widely reported even mm-hmm. in this even in secular or left-leaning media that the state department was putting the brakes on people coming home or leaving there the planes were loaded ready to take off and the state department department would not let them and he is giving the same answer no uh no we were there we didn't do it a thing that what he what we listened to really speaks to his credibility on everything else when he's denying that the state department actually stood in the way of people leaving Afghanistan. Yeah. Well, yeah. Re- remember, he was in the State Department during the Benghazi disaster when that White House lied to the American public, saying that the attack on our officials in Benghazi was caused by a video that was critical of 
Mohammed. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Susan Rice went out yeah. on television programs and lied to the American public. Yeah. He was hey, at the State Department when all that was going on. Let me, let me ask you this question. How, how, do, how, how is a person supposed to answer that question, though, in his role? He serves at the pleasure of the president. He's on the cabinet. He can't just say, yeah, my boss is an idiot. <laughs> Next question. I remember Blinken's last day. It was epic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, now, I wouldn't have answered it the way he did because he just basically acted like he didn't know. Uh, he, he acted like what, what we all know is true isn't true. Maybe the most diplomatic answer for Secretary of State uh, is, is to say, I, I don't know. I don't know about any of that, uh, Mr. Uh, Chairman or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to, or just say I'm not going to answer that. Uh, he what? might throw his communications, the White House communication people under the bus. Somebody's doing that. It's not with the president's approval. If somebody's doing that, it's not with the president's approval. Yes, I, I, that's might might be how I answer it, but yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, to deflect in some way, I guess, where you, but it, the way he answered it was, I know what you're saying is true, but I'm I'm not going to be, I'm not going to acknowledge it. I'm going to pretend like I don't know what you're saying is true. Next story, Steve. All right, uh, we've been talking of obviously we're in the middle of the COVID thing, and we got a lot of pandemic uh, lockdowns, and they're going back to mask mandates. They're working. They are working. The sheriff of Claiborne County in Arkansas, Heber Springs, Arkansas, has put a letter out that says basically we're not going to enforce any mandate if if somebody calls us to arrest somebody because they got no mask on no i want you to read i'm going to read a paragraph what he said then he quotes c.s lewis i love this c.s lewis quote listen to this says the sheriff sheriff chris brown i am appalled at some of the absolute dictator-like things that we are seeing from the federal government and several of the state governments it is absolute tyranny and completely abhorrent it flies in the face of everything our country has always stood for and it is only furthering the damage and division done to the people of this wonderful state. Then he quotes C.S. Lewis. He says, C.S. Lewis said this, of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons and under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber barons' cruelty may sometimes sleep, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. That's good. You were quoting C.S. Lewis. I'm quoting Chris Brown, quoting C.S. Lewis. Okay. Yeah. And Chris Bound. Chris Brown is the sheriff. Chris Brown. Brown, B-R-O-W-N, like the color. And he's a sheriff in Claiborne County, Arkansas. So he's declared his county a sanctuary county? Well, I don't think Arkansas is going to be, be putting a whole lot of those mandates up, given I agree. their political I, leaning, I, but, I'm wondering if he's talking about federal mandates. And, and that might be it. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about, yeah. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I was reading uh, reading on this. uh some of our staff did some research on vaccines and mandates mm-hmm. historically. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess <laughs> the, the vaccines for things like what? Smallpox, polio, <laughs> polio, other things. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm thinking about a, a, a const- the constitutional issue here. The Supreme Court, that's what I'm thinking about. The Supreme Court, and I'll get this for you. Maybe we'll post it tomorrow. Rob Chambers, one of our staff here, pulled this up. But uh, if you're going to mandate a vaccine for the public, historically in America, which has been done, Mm 
it's done through the legislature. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this case, uh, the Congress of the United States would have to pass what Biden is attempting to do with executive order, basically, or by a mandate, uh, by basically declaring himself the king. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the new king. He's going to, therefore, tell all the subjects what they must do or they're going to lose their jobs. Uh, so if you're, I'm just saying, if you're going to promote the idea that you need everybody to be forced to be vaccinated, which I don't subscribe to for many reasons. However, if that's what you're going to, let's say you're in favor of, you you need to you need to go through the legislative process, so our representatives can hash this out, and then not be a uh, uh, a dictate from a one man, right? One man for millions of people, one man can say you must get a shot ingested into your bloodstream or you are you I want to make I want to make life uh, miserable for you think about that for just a minute even if you're a democrat or a liberal is that is that the precedent you really want to subscribe it, to go well, ahead is that is that the kind of country you want to live in that's not america no it's not and and if if Joe Biden and I don't think he will, I think this is going to be challenged. And I do too. I think he's going to fall apart. It's going to fall. It already is. Yeah. You have left wing teachers in right, New York right. out on the streets. Right. Uh, so not even the left is buying into this. But if Biden was to get away with this, what's to stop him? What What's the next mandate? What is the next mandate that comes out of his mouth? Oh, are they going to say you, you you're going to have to reduce your carbon footprint? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to go to jail? To yeah. climate crisis. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to put a mandate out there on how much carbon dioxide your household yeah. produces. And there, if it produces over a limit, we're going to punish you for it. There's it's not insane. A, there's yeah. not a whole lot I think is good is going to come out of this whole pandemic thing. But one of the things I hope does is that some court, maybe the Supreme Court, somewhere puts some fence around what emergency powers mean. Because that's what ran amok. And it, the court has to I say agree. you can go this far, no farther. We have to define this because once they got emergency powers, they were off to the races. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm reminded of a quote by George Washington back during the Revolutionary War. There were there were some uh, some uh, Americans who wanted him to be the king of the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, they tried to recruit him to be the king of the United States, because that's all really these, these folks had ever known is right. kings. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, uh, I, why, why he, he, he was offended. He said, why do you think we fought this war? Yes. It's not to set up kings, it's to get rid of kings. Exactly. And so America has always been a place where, yes, we have law and order, and we have rules and regulations, but we have representation through our uh, city council, our county commissioners, our state legislatures, our governors, our congressmen, senators, and and the president. But we don't have kings no. that uh, can dictate the lie, the lie dictate to millions of people what they must do, or else they're going to lose their livelihood. Yeah, you, you don't want to go down that road, folks. Even if you're a Democrat, Old Testament kings weren't God's idea. No. no. And he warned about the price of a king. Yes. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Thank you for listening to American Family Radio. 
Alistair Begg is straight ahead with some excellent Bible teaching. And then uh, on with your day here on AFR. See you tomorrow.